if you're if you're embracing something new, then it's going to come up more so than if you're not. And that can also be in any area of your life. So people often talk about it in career, but could it, it could be any area. Maybe you're having imposter thoughts around the role of being a mom. It can be really any new role that you embrace in your life. Hello, hello. Welcome to 30 and a bit. My name is Pete and each episode I try to solve one of the questions you run into after hitting the big 3-0 together with an expert. Today's question is, how can I overcome imposter phenomenon? And yes, we're calling it imposter phenomenon instead of imposter syndrome. And about a couple minutes into the episode, you'll understand why. Enjoy. Today's amazing guest is Charlotte Grimmel. She has earned her master's in social and business psychology from the University of Zurich. And now Charlotte is a social and business psychologist and professional coach. Charlotte is 32 years old, is from Switzerland, but is location independent and works all over the world. And right now in Bali. Welcome. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you. Thank you for the lovely introduction, Pete. Uh, my very first question to every expert always is, how are your 30s going so far? Um, honestly, my 30s have been great. Um, I don't know if I was ever that afraid of them, to be honest, but they've turned into... So I, I celebrated my 30th birthday on a remote island away from all of my friends. This was COVID-related, um, away from all my friends from home, I guess. Um, so I kind of locked away there and I... Th- thought I was going to be so sad about it, but I leaned into this new community. So even that start was really great. Not at all what I ever imagined like my 30th birthday to look like, but um, beautiful in its own way. And then since then, it's been full of wonderful experiences and growth and just coming more into my own. That's really that kind of what I've been saying to people is like, I feel like it's really a matter of coming into my own and really leaning into what's most important to me and going after it, having more courage than I did in my twenties. Um, so yeah, no, I think they're going well. That's really good to hear. love the positive tone. <laughs> We're going to talk about imposter syndrome today, which I'm really excited about. Let's start, let's start with the basics. What is imposter syndrome? How would you describe it? So imposter syndrome um, is described as like this pervasive feeling of self-doubt, insecurity, incompetence, and all of that is despite there being evidence of achievements or success. Um, So that means, you know, people with imposter syndrome often believe that they have only succeeded because they got lucky or because other people missed something or they had the stars aligned, whatever it is. They don't really believe that it was their own abilities and hard work that contributed to it. And so what that ends up doing is they often feel like a fraud. They have the fear that one day they're going to be found out in some way. So someone will notice that they're not actually as competent as they thought, or they won't be able to achieve the same success that they, um, that they wanted to achieve. Um, I will say, and maybe I'll say it straight away, um, that it's been kind of termed syndrome in like pop psychology, and I think I'm going to start away. I'm, I'm going to try and stick to calling it phenomenon or thoughts, like imposter thoughts, because this the syndrome aspect to me, first of all, it wasn't how it was originally coined, but also it adds to this idea that like I have this, I am suffering of this. Um, and I think that really leads to this fixed mindset idea of like, 
this is something that is happening to me rather than embracing the idea that having these kind of thoughts could be entirely normal and healthy in some circumstances um, that will, I'm sure we'll get into as we continue speaking. So I'll try and refrain from calling it syndrome. I might, it might still happen to me because that's just what we typically use, but I do try to encourage people to think of it less as a syndrome and more like an experience or thoughts or a phenomenon. I am so happy you said that because um, looking into this episode, I also learned that it was originally called a phenomenon. Um, and I think that's so much better. I hate the word syndrome. It's just, it doesn't, it doesn't make it sound nice. It sounds like there's something really potentially wrong and there's not. If you have these feelings, there's nothing wrong with you. It's not a negative thing per se. So I'm so happy that you want to call it imposter phenomenon throughout this episode. Let's try to do that. I'll try to do that as well. Um, big fan. So thanks for bringing that up. Generally in the world, talk about it happening to a lot of women, but I think in actuality, it happens to a lot of minorities in general on in the workforce. What kind of people do you see um, with your coaching? Um, I will see that say that I see a lot of women simply because I seem to um, attract that clientele. Um, and it is true that it was first observed among sort of high achieving, successful women. Um, but I do think that that has been shown now. It's often just it happens to underrepresented identities. So that could be, you know, underrepresented in any way, whether it's BIPOC or whether it's women in a, a predominantly male environment, et cetera. Um, but I think what we've really seen, and maybe that leads back to this idea of a phenomenon, is just how many people face these kind of feelings. Um, and it's like a staggering percentage, like it's like 70 to 80 percent of people um, face these feelings at one point in their life and obviously to varying degrees. But I think that really brings home the point of just how widespread this is and normal I so agree. What can cause imposter phenomenon? Um, so there's multiple theories. One, the theory kind of leading back to social identities. So that goes back to that underrepresented, um, potentially minority. So when we're part of a group that's underrepresented or marginalized, then we may feel that we don't belong or that we have to try even harder to prove that we belong or we're not qualified to be there. So all those feelings might come up much more in those environments. So there's a sort of certainly, I think, a systemic um, component to it. But then the other sort of idea or, or theory is that it's driven by perfectionism. So just us holding ourselves to this impossible standards, meaning that even when we have all these achievements at face value, like, I mean, again, often these are people who are object objectively speaking very successful right so they either have like a really successful career they've achieved all these things in their academics whatever it may be um and still it's like never enough and that has a lot to do with with the standard that we're setting for ourselves the perfectionism that we're striving for and then always falling short because there's just no way to ever achieve what we're setting out to do and so we always end up falling short and take that to mean that we're not good enough or we don't belong in that space from the studies you've read, um, is it a bigger problem now because women are such a big part of the workforce now or was it already, has it always been a problem and is it just something we started talking about quite recently? I think it's impossible to tell um, because there has been a lot more focus on it and I think also that um, it's not only been researched more but it's also been um, in pop psychology a lot more so a lot of people self-identify with it and thus it becomes 
it seems like it's more pervasive. Like I see people coming to me saying I have imposter syndrome, but you know, again, this isn't a clinical diagnosis. This isn't a disease or anything like that. It's, it's just these thoughts that come up, right. That hold us back. Um, I do think that maybe there's an element to the way we think about success and like have envisioned what success needs to be where we've now, I think compared to, let's say, a few hundred years ago, really, we've added this component of everything should be super fulfilling all the time. You're doing your passion. And if you're not fully fulfilled, like if you're not jumping out of bed with joy every single morning, you're doing it wrong. And I think there's, so I think there's added pressures now. Um, and you know, they come from beautiful places. Like I'm fully in agreement that, you know, fulfillment is something that we can strive for and pursue. Uh, and at the same time, I think that can also go into a side where it's too much and it just becomes another thing that can go wrong. And thus I am like, if people think I'm doing such a great job, but I'm really not enjoying my job, then obviously I'm doing something wrong or I don't belong here. Um, so, so yeah, I think it, it, it's probably a mixture of we're paying more attention and people are themselves identifying with it more. And also potentially the way we are raising the standards with also the pace of life and pace of technology and the pace of advancement um, might be contributing to it further. Yeah, I think that's a very fair observation. Apart from those intrusive thoughts that you spoke about earlier, are there are there other ways you can catch yourself and realize that you might have imposter phenomenon? You mean apart from catching the thoughts or you mean other thoughts that you could catch? Well, maybe both. <laughs> which, actually. which one are you nodding to? <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I guess it, I think a lot of it comes from noticing the thoughts. So whenever you are attributing your success to achievements that are beyond yourself, meaning, uh, sorry, factors that are beyond yourself, meaning luck, other people, oh, it's just normal. Um, you know, everyone else could have done it even better than me. So there's a self self censorship of achievements that I would be paying attention to you to if that's what people are doing. Um, but the other component is, has it shown up in places where you've kept yourself from pursuing something? So this often comes out in career related areas, right? So has there, have there been instances in your life where you have not pursued something because you said to yourself, I'm not qualified to do this, whether it's the promotion or career change or whatever it is. And again, right, there's nuance in that there's nuance. And sometimes you really might have skills gaps to fill. Um, but sometimes I've met many, many women who would be perfectly qualified to go after something um what else yeah i think this this sort of fear of being found out if you're noticing that like if you're like i need to maintain like i need to prove myself and i need to maintain this level of success or or sort of i never ask any questions i can never seem like i haven't got it all figured out all these things when you're noticing stuff like that um i think that would be worth a look if if there's a fear there that you, you you're a fraud you're being found out um, I remember my first time I was like, I was describing this feeling to my husband. I was like, I feel like everyone's a lot better than me. I feel like maybe I just got here by sheer luck. And I was just describing all these feelings and I had no idea that this was a thing, but he was like, it sounds like you have imposter syndrome. I was like, hold on, this has a name. And I think to your point earlier, um, if you know that you have it, if you can catch these thoughts, then you will hopefully not have yourself uh, held back by making decisions that just stops your, you and your career. Like if your manager comes up to you and asks you to 
apply for an internal job. You should trust your manager's judgment that you are right for that job and you should go for it instead of your own thoughts being like, oh no, there's no way I can do that job. Someone else says that you can, so you should 100% go for it. And that's why I think it's so important that people know that it exists, first of all, because I only learned about it a few years ago. And secondly, then can catch themselves and be like, no, actually, this is me, myself, holding me back. Yeah, um, which I think is really important that you say that it, it, you know, often starts with catching yourself and that self-awareness. And the other thing is that it's entirely normal for these thoughts again, right? Not a syndrome, but these thoughts to arise when you are putting yourself in new situations or more challenging situations. So whenever you're leaving your comfort zone, you might experience these feelings and that's entirely normal and healthy. And really the absence of these feelings entirely most often just mean you're stagnating. Like you're, you're just staying with everything that's comfortable. You're not growing, you're not pursuing anything. And so acknowledging the range of, you know, obviously if that's all consuming and that's all you ever think about, then you should definitely address that. But the absence of it will probably never happen unless you stagnate entirely. Such a good point. I try to think about it this way. Whenever I feel uh, imposter syndrome, I'm like, okay, I'm just clearly out of my comfort zone, but I'm okay. Like I want to keep growing in this job, um, but I'm just out of my comfort zone and that is totally fine. That is what I want because I want to keep growing up my career. But I think it's really important. Like a lot of people, same with the title of syndrome, it has such a negative connotation, whereas I think it should be a positive thing as long as you can deal with it. And it's not all consuming, like you say, but you're just out of your comfort zone and that is fine. That is healthy and good. Yeah, absolutely. I think there's a reinterpretation of it, right? Um, there, There is an unhealthy degree of self-doubt, like that exists and we are not here to say that it doesn't. And at the same time, there, I think there's a misinterpretation of those feelings of insecurity and doubt that happens with people who kind of say, I have this imposter syndrome and it's overwhelming me and, and sort of I can't do anything about it. It's like interpret those thoughts as a sign of growth, interpret those signs that uh, thoughts that you care, that you might have a high standard. Um, and, you know, that's really important to note there as well is that, that this isn't a one way street, meaning it's not that, you know, high, high achievers and you can't accept that and thus you get imposter syndrome. But it can also be that you having these imposter thoughts and, you know, wanting to strive for a really good output, wanting to really put your best work in all these things that could be really positive side effects that also happen through those thoughts, like pushing you along. Um, that should be the only thing pushing you along, but just to kind of reinterpret that a little thing, I think is really healthy. Amazing. Just kind of reset your brain around this. The way you described it is perfect. Um, I read somewhere that the opposite of imposter phenomenon is a sense of self-assurance and self-confidence. Would you agree with that? Um, you know what? I think I would put self-trust there more so than those, um, and so that's the, that sense of, I trust myself to figure it out and I am true to myself and, you know, acknowledging all parts of that, those uncomfortable feelings as well. Um, I think it also depends on how people define, like self-confidence kind of gets thrown out in, in all kinds of ways, but um, understanding that some self-doubt is part of it and you can still trust yourself to figure it out. I think, 
I would see more as the opposite of that because otherwise the opposite, I think implies that you're so self-assured or you're so self-confident that you never have these doubts, which I think, again, we go into this black and white um, and sort of then every time I have an imposter thought, I think, oh my God, I have this syndrome rather than just like, yeah, I'm on a journey of growth and I can trust myself to figure it out. So really embracing that as a spectrum that we will naturally fluctuate on. Um, depending on which area of our life we're talking about, depending on where we're at in our career, maybe we're changing something, right? So that ongoing practice of self-reflection, self-acceptance and personal growth that I think the foundation of is this self-trust. That's a really good thing to flag as well. Like it's not a consistent thing. It can fluctuate, like you say. For sure. Like, I mean, again, right. When you speak to your coaching clients and you catch them on having these thoughts. What do you teach them? How can they break that cycle? It starts with the uh, the understanding that you can change, right? So embracing that growth mindset that we've been talking about, um, really acknowledging that it's normal. Um, but then the next step I always encourage people to do is celebrating the success more. And that starts with simply noticing it actively. So I encourage people to keep a success log um, or they can call it whatever they want. There's also people who call it like a confidence wall or something like that. But meaning anytime anything um, really good happens to you. So that could be you get, you're getting a compliment, you're getting positive remarks, you've had an achievement, um, you applauded yourself for something, you were proud of something yourself, right? It doesn't even have to be from exterior. But anything like that, we have a tendency to notice in that moment, then feel a real high for like two seconds and then forget about it. Um, and so because of our natural tendency to see the negative more, to watch out for the negative, to anticipate the negative a little bit. So um, really embracing that and saying, like, I have a little journal or I have a note on my phone or something like that where I'm really tracking these things. I'm writing them down. I'm giving them like a dedicated space, black on white, so that when I have a moment of doubt again, I can like read that and I can see it's black on white. And even if I don't entirely believe everything that's there, that's still a lot harder to argue with than like. I need to rely on my memory to bring back up these positive instances, right? Um, the thing there too is that people are like that self-censorship that I mentioned before still happens, right? So people still go, yeah, but I just got lucky or yeah, but like I didn't do it all by myself or something like that, right? And it's like, that's that's fine. So even if luck was involved, how did you contribute to this success? Like, what was your part in it? Like, acknowledge that part of it. Then if you don't want to own the whole project being a success, great. Then acknowledge the parts that you did that that contributed to that being a success. If you're uncomfortable with saying, like, you know, Project X was successful and we got really great feedback. If you're uncomfortable owning that, then at least own your part in it. Um, that's one thing. The other thing is actually people tend not to like this very much, but it's actually, it can be quite fun if you play around with it a bit is deliberately exposing yourself to failure. So, right. We're so afraid of this again, when we're going back to perfectionism, we're so afraid of this idea that we might fail at something, we might be found out at something. And typically what we need to learn is that failing isn't actually as bad as we think it is often because maybe people aren't even noticing in the first place. So that goes back to, um, you know, us always feeling like everyone's looking at us, um, spotlight effect, but people aren't actually looking at us that much. So that meaning really like in small things, like maybe it is like, I don't know, mispronounce a word deliberately or send an email and like make a few mistakes by like literally on purpose and notice that nothing actually changes. Or if you're, you know, 
always really worried about being on time. And like, if you don't show up as punctual as like whatever, then, you know, deliberately be five minutes late. Obviously, if you can do it in that setting and it's not entirely disrespectful to the next person Um, or just try something out without first trying to research the heck out of it. So even if that's just a restaurant, even if you just say like, all right, I'm going to walk around the block and just go into the first restaurant I see. And it turns out to be like, (laughs) bad food or something like that. Like that might be a failure, but it's just some way for you to playfully embrace this idea of like, I don't need to have everything figured out to like live my life. I think that's a really funny idea. The you're also saying like, be okay with failure. I often also think, okay, so I made a mistake at work. What is the worst that can happen? And then if you think about it, What's the worst thing that could happen? Hmm, my boss fires me. I cannot pay my rent anymore. I'm losing my house. I'm on the street. And you spiral, which is fine in this case, because you're like, what are the chances that my manager will actually fire me over this minor thing that I did wrong that is completely solvable and nothing then happens? Uh, that reminds me of something that I think is almost always a valuable exercise in general. It's... Um Tim Ferriss, um, as far as I know, anyway, I came up with this idea of fear setting um, rather than goal setting. So basically, we spend a lot of our time thinking about setting goals, right? And he has this idea where he says, like, I'm setting fears instead. And so what he takes himself through is like, what are all these fears? So you mentioned a few, right? You get hired, uh, you get fired, and then you end up homeless and all these things happen. These are all fears. And so then the next two steps are kind of like, what can I do to prevent that? And the second step is, what could I do to repair that? Right. So even if I did lose my job, what what could I do to repair that? And so, first of all, getting so clear about what those fears are, as you just described, might already help you to kind of see that they're not actually that likely. That's a lot easier to do once they're down on paper rather than when they're still spiraling in your head. Um, But the second two steps or the yeah, step two and step three, um, really remind you that like, you still have agency, you still have power. Like, even if something bad were to happen, um, you could do something about it. And, or if you think it's really likely that this bad thing might happen, you might be able to now, now take some steps to prevent it. There's a, he has a, people can easily Google this. If you, if you Google fear setting Tim Ferriss, he has a wonderful Ted talk video on it. I'll put the Ted talk on the website as well. 30 and a bit.com. When you realize that someone around you has imposter syndrome, what can you do to help someone else? Um, first steps first, very psychological of me to say, but like validate and normalize their feelings. So don't go in immediately with, Oh, don't be silly. You're so great. Like you've done all these things, but just kind of say like, it's okay. You're feeling that way. I understand lots of people feel this way, whatever it is that you um, can give them in that moment, but just hear them out rather than immediately going into problem solve. I think that's something that's worth keeping in mind for almost anything that someone comes to you with. But um, after having offered that space where they just feel free to express their doubts and where they can hear themselves, talk them out loud um, it's definitely worth sort of offering that perspective because sometimes people might be so stuck in that, that they have forgotten all the positive things or they have forgotten all the achievements. They're so on a micro level. So really zooming out with them, um, and then providing reassurance and positive feedback or encouraging them to think of the positive things that they have achieved and when they were proud of themselves the last time. Um, and be patient. I would say like, don't expect it to just go away. Um, because, it likely will, it likely won't, and as we've discussed, it likely will keep coming up for almost everyone um, as they grow. 
So, so yeah, not kind of saying like, oh, we've been over this before, but um, staying with that and being patient with them. And if, if it does turn into a larger problem, then encouraging them to seek professional help. Okay. My final question every episode is if you could give the listeners one takeaway from this episode, what would it be? Um, no one has it all figured out. I think it's something that I see again and again and again. Um, this idea that I think something that makes imposter phenomenon so difficult for a lot of people is the idea that they're alone with it um, and that th- they are doing something wrong or something like that for feeling this way. Um, so, yeah, it's, it really comes back to no one has it all figured out. We're all going as we <laughs> were going. And it's entirely normal to feel these thoughts embrace them. Maybe there's some growth there. Love this. And I'm so happy we're going to reframe it to imposter phenomenon because there is nothing wrong with you when you're feeling these feelings. They'll go away at some point as well. You're just being challenged in your life, which is good and healthy. Um, And just by understanding that these feelings do have a name, imposter phenomenon, you can act on them and you can make sure that none of the choices you're making in the moment of feeling it very badly, like saying no to a promotion, by understanding that this is what is actually holding you back, it can't hold you back. Yeah, I think that that's, yeah, that's a really great summary and a truth for so many things, right? It's like the whole becoming aware of it is always the biggest and often the the hardest step but then once you can face it it shrinks in its power over you that goes for almost any fear um you know facing it and then you're like oh it's not as bad as i had just dreamt it up to be that's a really good one as well um thank you so much i really really enjoyed this conversation i love the reframing of the phenomenon that we've done here or tried to do at least and i hope the listeners are also going to look at it from a different point of view um and i really want to thank you for that such a pleasure um thank you for your thoughtful questions thank you so much um your instagram is at the mind friend and your website themindfriend.net do you still take on new clients i do um so i'm currently booked out until august but um, I continue to take on new clients. I don't know when you've been airing this, actually. So maybe by that time, it's, it's going to be um, non-relevant. But um, yeah, I do take on new clients on a rolling basis. Amazing. So if anyone's interested in working with you, um, go to themindfriend.net. Yeah, I'd love to help you grow. Such a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. It truly means the world having you here. Please follow us on TikTok and Instagram at 30 and a bit podcast and leave a five-star review on Spotify and Apple. It really helps with growing. We will be back. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra low net carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co.